Welcome to Community Foundation Coffee Talks, a podcast for community foundations to listen and learn from their peers. In this episode, we're discussing where to go for additional accounting resources. This discussion comes from a webinar that was recorded on July 21st. The topics covered are outsourced accounting services and their outcomes, outsourced investment personnel, and where you can find additional educational resources specifically for community foundation accounting. All right, let's join the conversation. The first voice we are going to hear is our discussion moderator, Rosie Springers, followed by Carolyn Welsh from the Community Foundation of Mendocino County. So first, let's jump into the topic of outsourced accounting services. I have just some options out here that I came up with as far as bookkeeping, 990 prep, um, people using outsourced services for payroll, W-2s, 1099s, forms that you maybe just don't do in-house. So does anyone want to kick off the discussion with any kind of outsourced accounting services that they use regularly or potentially have used just one off, you know, maybe one time? and what the outcomes were, if they were happy, if it was difficult to find someone who knew the way that a foundation worked, anything like that, if you just want to share your experiences. I'm with the Community Foundation of Mendocino County, and we're about 30, 31 million um, in assets. We currently have an audit each year. We have a, so the auditor does our 990 preparation as well as our audit. And we use an outsourced payroll uh, company. We only have eight to nine employees, depending on the the moment. So it's not a a big deal, but it is really nice to have that. Then we, our staff, our accounting staff consists of me, which is currently controller. Um, So we are thinking about, we're trying to figure out the bookkeeping side of things because we really like Foundant and we've been with you since um, October. So we did our, our conversion in October and okay. we came, came from FIMS. So, and I'd only been with them about a year at that point. So I'm about a year and a half in. Anyway, I would like to hear what people have to say about any outsourced bookkeeping that they do, because we're trying to figure out um, if we could just have the bookkeeping side of it done by somebody outsourced and then just have the controller working with the financials and investments and things like that. So. I don't know what anyone else is doing, but that's what we're doing. We have the auditor does our 990 and an outsourced payroll that we have to import into, you know, I do journal entries to bring it into um, Foundant. So. Okay, great. And I, I was correct in hearing that you, you're just a one person finance department. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And what is the setup of your board of directors? Do you have like an audit and budget committee? Yes, we have a, we have a finance and investment committee. We have an audit committee. Um, the audit committee just, you know, basically approves who's going to do the audit. Um, they hear this, the results of the audit. And um, I came from another nonprofit, a community action agency that I, where I was since 2007 as their CFO, kind of doing, going into retirement here. So I was doing a half-time job here. Okay. And, um, so we're trying to figure out the best configuration from that. But we, we have a good size board. I would say it's about mm, 14 people. So it's a pretty large board. So okay. Um, and in, and in the investment side of it, we can get to that later on. But we just went to an outsourced CIO that we're very happy with. So okay, um, cool. Yeah. 
All right. So on the topic of the outsourced accounting, has anyone found that bookkeeping, those bookkeeping services, whether it would be with a national firm or maybe a local firm, um, we actually at Founding get asked this all the time. If, if there's someone who can just swoop in and do that day-to-day -day accounting for people, whether it's in Community Suite or in a different software. I'm with the uh, Community Foundation of Anne Arundel County. We're at 18 million in assets and um, we have used outsourcing bookkeeping. And what we found with Community Suite is that um, it's so you know straightforward to use that we just have a part-time bookkeeper that we hired as a staff, you know, on staff. And um, it's worked out really well for us. Uh, they're, they're, you know, an experienced bookkeeper, but it's, um, they do all the bookkeeping part and then I just have to do, you know, the, the bigger things. We also have our auditor do our form, our 990. Um, and we have an outsourced payroll um, provider, ADP, and we, you know, just have to, you know, the bookkeeper, puts that in um, okay, into great. Suite. And so it's actually pretty financially, um, God, my mind is like lost today. <laughs> it's pretty efficient, um, both in time-wise, you know, for her, she, she focuses on that and then uh, the bookkeeper and then, you know, financially, it's, it's also much less expensive than outsourcing. Um, That's great. The bookkeeping. That's yeah, and was there any learning curve as far as the differences between like maybe a standard bookkeeping job compared to a fund accounting bookkeeping job? Um, she had not done much fund accounting so our, when we hired her, but um, it's she already had, you know, all the bookkeeping background. So it was pretty easy to explain, you know, how it worked. It wasn't, it didn't take, she, she onboarded in a month and I, and I was really satisfied with her oh great um, you know with her the outsourced bookkeeping that we used was the local firm um and um they were fine and everything but it was just more expensive uh we like to use local firms because of course our our you know we're trying to support our community mm -hmm. um and using an outsourced one i mean using somebody in the community is what we try to do whenever possible yeah um, that's great I see there is another hand raised. Um, potentially, Alicia wants to share what she's doing. Hi, my name is Alicia Corliss. I'm with the Community Foundation of the Gunnison Valley. We're in rural southwestern uh, Colorado. And we actually started outsourcing our bookkeeping and accounting to a, a firm when we were with FIMS. And when we made the transition over to C-Suite, we decided to go ahead and stick with the same accounting firm. Uh, and she then kind of delved into learning Community Suite. And she's done pretty well, but there's definitely been some challenges. Um, this accounting firm in particular actually specializes in accounting uh, and books for uh, McDonald's franchises. So this uh, nonprofit thing is kind of a, a fairly new thing for them. But so I do our day-to-day -day, uh, vouchers, accounts payable, accounts receivable, or, or donations and grants and all that. Um, but then they go ahead and handle all reconciliations and our financial reports for the board. We also have our auditor prepare our audit and our 990 and the accounting's uh, company also does our payroll uh, W-2s and 1099s. 
Um, so there's definitely been a learning curve. She went to some conferences and she's done all the trainings, but like I said, there's definitely been some, a few challenges that we're, we're still working through. Uh, we transitioned last summer, so it's been about a year that we've actually been live in C-suite. Okay. And how big is the team in total internally? We have now three. We just hired our, our last worker yesterday. She started with us. Uh, we do have a part-time employee. Um, and then we just have basically the one accountant who works mostly with us in the, at the accounting firm and then their payroll tech. So on okay. staff here, we have three people, $10 million in total assets. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. So I think everyone has said local so far, which is great to hear. Um, does anyone else want to share? It looks like maybe a couple of people already. Hi, I'm Marie Felver. I'm at Hancock County Community Foundation just east of Indianapolis in Indiana. Um, we're about 40 million and a staff of seven. Um, I don't have anything to offer on the bookkeeping side, but a few um, pieces of information I can share that haven't been mentioned already. For our 1099s, we also don't do a whole lot of those, but Probably six or seven years ago, we started using a website called Yearly Greatland, and I can put the link to that in the chat. Um, but that's worked really well. You just create an account online, you plug in your information, they print your 1099s and mail them. And there's also an option to securely like load those to a secure email that gets sent to those recipients. So I've been really happy with that because Prior to that, we were printing them in-house and I felt like I was having to buy like a pack of 100 1099s and then I'd only use like 10 of them, which seemed really wasteful. So I, I think the cost of this online service is really reasonable um, and it's really easy to use and I've had no issues. So I'd recommend that. Um, That's great information. I had not heard of them. So yeah, that link would be really great to share. Okay. Yep. I will share that. And then for our payroll and our W-2s, um, we started using five or six years ago, a PEO, a professional employer organization. Um, and so they they do our payroll and our W-2s, but they really handle our whole HR department. We really don't have an HR department, so we're basically outsourcing our HR. Um, so not only do they do payroll, but they manage all of our benefits. Um, because we're working through them, we have access to benefits that we didn't have access to before. They help with all legal and compliance issues. They help with onboarding new employees. They handle all the new hire paperwork. They help with um, terminations. They do exit interviews. So that's been a really positive experience. So, you know, if you find your community found or your foundation struggling in HR areas, I would suggest looking into a PEO. Uh, the company we work for or work with is, I think they're regional. They might even be nationwide, um, but I'm happy to provide them as a reference to anybody who might be interested in exploring that. That's also a really good suggestion. Um, a lot of times that HR work gets lumped in with finance somehow, even though I've never felt trained in HR and there is a lot of legality. So I think that's great information. Thank you for sharing it. Hi, I am with Cumberland Community Foundation in North Carolina, and I just wanted to talk about the outsourcing the accounting and the fact that most people are using local. That is um, our strategy generally when we choose any local vendors. We do do our, our, we have eight employees, but two of us are finance related, so we are able to do all of our bookkeeping in-house. But 
I just wanted to, to give an a example from our community, which is our, our uh, Chamber of Commerce several years ago hired a printing company in another state, and they wound up in the newspaper and got a lot of flack for using an outsourced printing company that wasn't local. And so especially if you're a community foundation, I would encourage you to go local before you go anywhere else. So that just a is, cautionary tale. Yeah, that is good information. And I think that becomes relevant. Um, let's move on to talking about the investment aspect of this, because I think that becomes really relevant. Um, some community foundations talk about investments. You just get better returns if you're using some national uh, investment managers or bigger companies to be your custodians, whereas other are um, your investment managers. Um, but other foundations have a very strict policy that they only want to use local investment managers. So where do your foundations sit when it comes to this kind of thing? Are you using the local investment managers only? Do you have a mix? Are you using a custodian? Do you have an outsourced CIO with a national company? So kind of the same thing, just switching gears and talking about investment. Does anyone want to share what their foundation is doing in this area? Hi, uh, thanks. So we're in Community Foundation Sonoma County, Northern California. And in terms of investments, um, we have, uh, and, well, so we're about 180 million in assets, a staff of 16. Um, we do have our investment advisory committee, basically our investment committee who, who oversees all of the investments, but we have an outsourced investment consultant company and they're not, though they have a local presence, you know, they are bigger, they're part of Morgan Stanley Greystone, that's who we use and use, they're used by several foundations that I know, community foundations. Um, so the local side of it really comes out more in our as we look at impact investing and place-based investing, things like that, which we're really just doing some um, bigger um, research into that now, I think that's where we'll look more closely at, at, at local and, um, you know, minority-run um, in investment companies or fund managers, things like that. But that's who we use, and we don't have a, you know, we don't have an official CIO I staff the investment committee, but it's really, those are all investment advisors on that committee. So that's where the strength is. And they work closely with our investment consultants uh, at Greystone. One question about your investment consultant, did they mix then with kind of recommending local investment managers for your impact investing or will you keep those separate or have you not decided yet? Right, well, we're, it, that's in process and I think we'll have them my guess is I can't I can't speak for sure, but that we would have them do some work on that, and I think we might do some outside as well. But we're, the other okay. thing we're doing right now is expanding to hopefully, if the committee approves it and the board to really take on be willing to take on more outside investment managers. So those are for donors or fund holders who want to keep their investment advisor, but then we would. Um, but they would work with us and have the fund, you know, have the fund with us, but not use our investment um, pools. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So that's, that's something we have one of right now and we are looking to expand that. Um, 
So yeah, it's all in process. Okay, great. That's great information. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Happy Coffee Talk. I just wanted to say that I'm Coastal Community Foundation in South Carolina. Uh, they're about a $300 million foundation. We have four supporting organizations that we administer as well, other community foundations. We have a very large investment portfolio that there had been a CFO with the organization for about 15 or 20 years. Shortly before my arrival, he wasn't, he didn't quite pre, pre me, but um, there was a brief person in the middle, but he was instrumental in setting up the investment portfolio in large part a long time ago. And because of that, there we have a, a large load of private equities and you know separate private capital investments in our portfolio, as well as an ESG portfolio, as well as a large pooled portfolio. We have impact investing, as I said, with that ESG, and we have place-based investing as well. So we're kind of all over the place. But our investment um, manager is FEG out of Cincinnati, so they're not local to us at all, but have been serving the foundation since practically its inception. Oh, wow. Going out on an RFP this year to look at other investment managers and look at the CIO model and also other just managed investments that you wouldn't, would kind of be a hybrid. You don't necessarily have to go full CIO. have a have a growth managed fund and you just you know allocate x dollars to that and a, an income money managed fund so those money managers could be a lot more responsive to emerging trends and if you needed to put money into cash right now you didn't have to wait for next quarter's investment committee to get approval for that and that kind of thing without quite having to go all the way to the ocio because i kind of don't think we need that because we already have so many other types of investments going on Right. That makes sense. Sell going to a new advisor, but I'm very curious about what all of these wonderful investment advisors are going to come up with when I ask them, what would you do if it was your money? That's that's true. And where the rubber meets the road. (laughs) Right. Do you do that RFP process like every three years or five years, or was it just something that the board kind of decided to review this year? Or is there like a specific timeline, I guess? Well, they did one five years ago, but it was right as this CFO was leaving. And so everybody was very nervous to change from the investment advisor that they had had that whole time and all of the investments that this guy had accumulated for the foundation. So they just stayed with the same one. But I came in from another community foundation and I just found that their portfolio was just like old school, old style, same type of buy and hold. They're, you know, holding on to investments that I wouldn't have in my own portfolio. You know, just not the quality that you're looking for as far as good return, moderate to low risk, you know, four or five star, morning star, that kind of stuff. They have a lot of dog mm-hmm. portfolio. And so I just thought, Ugh. <laughs> so anyway, I just wanted to share that, you know, we're, we're have a lot of assets and a lot of investments and it's very complex and need to have more, more help with that. I have one person on my staff that helps with the investing. She's the one that does all the trades that the advisor might tell us we should do, but we do it all on staff. Okay. So you're even doing the trades then. Yeah. That's right, a lot of work. Right. Mm-hmm. So that would be the other advantage about the OCIO model. But then if we just partition it off and put 20% of assets into these particular money managed funds, 
they're not even funds. They hold, you know, all the stocks that you know, the Boeing and the Coca-Cola and the Walt Disney and all of that stuff. So you can get in and out of those funds easily. If you, you don't like the way the money manager is managing, you just fire them and move, move the dollars. Unlike all of this private equity stuff that I have, you know, I have many, many millions of dollars in that and you can't get out of those. You're in there right. for 12 or 15 years. So that's the thing that I find really difficult is that you're stuck in those private capital investments for a long term and you can't, you don't have any control over it. Right. Much more committal with some of those. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we did add a diverse manager to our portfolio, being from the South and trying to, as far as uh, racial equity is concerned, we are making concerted efforts to recruit diverse minority managers and funds for us to look at to be able to make those selections and make sure that we're broadening our net enough to include those specifically. Okay, great. That's a a lot of great information. Thank you. Does anyone have um, those really strict policies or maybe even just a best practice to say every three years we're going to do an RFP for investment services, maybe every five years? Probably the same thing with auditors. Do you all switch auditors every three to five years or at least do an RFP? Or is it kind of like once an auditor knows the business, keep that auditor? Um, I think that was... The foundation I came from, we had the same main auditor, although he wasn't the partner that was always assigned to the audit. He was the main auditor for, I think, close to 30 years. And he knew it so well that we just kept him. Um, I just wanted to speak as far as an RFP for our auditor. We have several CPAs on our finance committee. And we were taking on the process of doing an RFP every five years. We were trying to come to a policy on what we would do that. And the CPAs on our committee both suggested that we not necessarily do that because number one, our our local CPA is local and no one else in our town of 150,000 people has ever worked with a community foundation before because we're the only one. Uh, So we would lose some, some knowledge if we had to go to a new, if we made the decision to go to a new auditor, Plus, our current auditor highly discounts us, and he considers it his donation to the foundation. But we would just lose a lot of knowledge, and we did not want to go with a national or regional firm, because, mainly since their price was double what his was, but also because we try to keep things local. So our, our finance committee recommended against doing that automatic RFP. Okay. That's, that sounds a lot like the foundation I came from. Did they, with the foundation I was at, we had to just make sure we switched partners who were actually signing off on the audit. That's what we're trying to get him to do. Okay. Um, But he, the guy he was having, who was on the partner track to, and was, had started doing like the grunt work on the, on the audit and he was grooming him to do it. He moved. (laughs) So, oh, <laughs> um, and there are only like, there are only a couple of partners and none of them have touched us before and don't know anything about community foundations. So we've been unsuccessful with that part, but we're still trying to push to change the partner each, each, well, not each year, but like every five years, but we haven't been successful yet, but we're still working on it. Okay. That's good info. I'm going to move on so that we can talk about CPE in this if I'm being 100% 
honest is a selfish topic. I have a really hard time finding CPE courses that are relevant to this industry in general. Um, I find even a lot of the national firms don't totally pay attention or tailor information to the foundation world. It's such a unique business that I, I don't often find great resources. Um, but now with also a lot of in-person CPE being canceled, I, I'm just wondering if anyone has found really great webinars online where they're getting their hours in and also finding relevant information. I see Moss Adams at um, a lot of conferences and I, I sometimes can attend their webinars. That is about the extent of the CPE I've been getting lately. Yeah, just to kind of follow up on Moss Adams uh, for you is that was my thought is with, you know, and we have those who even don't need CPE. We <clears throat> offer this for our finance staff or others, but our, our auditor, Hood and Strong, I mean, they're local to the Bay Area, but um, I know Armanino and they're bigger. And those are ones who offer a lot of either webinars that offer units or sometimes they do like Hood and Strong does one called uh, Hood and Strong University. That'll be a three-hour virtual event um, instead of live. I think Armanino has things like that as well. And um, okay, they they work with nonprofits and community foundations. So there might be some some thought there. I think I also saw some um, topics coming in from CLA, but I've not been able to attend one of their webinars at this point. Um, but those are two very big national firms, um, I guess my local firms don't put on anything that would be relevant to community foundations just because it's such an, a, a unique business model. All right, we can wrap up this coffee talk. Thank you for sharing uh, out loud and we appreciate you all joining us. So that was our conversation. There were so many ideas and so many new ideas because this is a new situation. We're going to keep bringing you conversations like this following the coffee talks that we host online. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. You can look for announcements on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn by following Foundant Technologies. And we want to hear from you. Unlike a lot of podcasts out there, you can participate yourself by registering for one of our Coffee Talk webinars. You can register for a webinar or access additional resources by clicking on the links in the episode notes. So from everyone at Founded Technologies, thanks for listening. We hope you found it helpful, and we can't wait to connect with you again on our next Coffee Talk 